Welcome to The Podlight, the audio collaboration between Silicon Valley Synergy and San Jose Spotlight. I'm your host, Bob Stedler. Today we'll be talking about the mass shooting at a VTA light rail yard that left 10 people dead, including the shooter who turned the gun on himself on May 26th. With me today is San Jose Spotlight reporter Vicente Vera. Welcome, Vicente. Thank you for joining me today. Hey, Bob. I really appreciate you having me on. I think I speak for everyone that we're all in a state of shock that something like this could happen in our community. The Gilroy shooting was two years ago. So let's start with the timeline of the event. Um, so about a, an hour before he went to that VTA rail yard, he actually set his house ablaze. And then he left that morning headed toward the VTA station. And it, it's it's not known what he did between that hour that he left the house and that he arrived at the VTA. But what we do know is that when he arrived, he opened fire on, you know, at random, any worker who happened to be there. And initial reports were that there was one person who was critically injured and they were taken over to the Santa Clara Valley Medical Center. But as we learned late Wednesday evening, they have since passed. And it, it's really just just been a lot of updates coming out sporadically. I was down there in, in front of the VTA station right outside of the county administrative building got down there around 9 a.m. And loads of press were there, press from all across the country. But not only that, if you looked to your left and to your right, right down uh, West Heading Street, there were a lot of people who were just kind of pacing around, you know, glued to their cell phones, you know, had their cell phones up by their ear. You know, when you first get there, you're still, you're still kind of taking in the situation. So you see someone on their phone and you're thinking, oh, you know, this is someone who's going about their day, someone who's, you know, making a work call. But then as more information comes in on, on the situation, you slowly start to realize, you know, th- this person has been here for about an hour now. And so it's obvious that they're, they're trying to reach someone who's, pro- who's not picking up. And it's, it's heartbreaking. Uh, I went up to, to one woman who was just standing in the parking lot on her cell phone. And she had asked us, you know, who do, who do we call to try to locate my loved one? You know, he was, he was supposed to be out by now. Who do, who do I call? And details were still coming out. I, I went over to my friend and my friend uh, gave her information from the sheriff's office. And it was, you know, to, to be a reporter and to have someone ask you a question like, how do I get in touch with my loved one? It's, it's heartbreaking. And I just, it's, it was not a question I could answer at that moment. I just felt so helpless. Yeah. I think, you know, when you were watching the news early on and just trying to understand what's going there, but to be there in the middle of it all. And I think everyone was just not truly understanding how horrific it was, but for the loved ones who were there, it's, it's indescribable. And uh, yeah, it's, it's no one's ever going to truly understand what it's like to be in their shoes. Mm-hmm. And another thing that happened um, right before the early afternoon is we saw a line of people walking behind the caution tape. They were being escorted by law enforcement behind the caution tape. And then they gathered there for a moment. And then they headed toward the county administrative building again, escorted by law enforcement. And these were people who were in plain clothes, you know, looked like they had just, you know, going to work. 
you know, just going about their day. And I, I just, I can't imagine, you know, I don't know that they were people who had gathered because they lost loved ones. But, but one can imagine that when you see a, a large group of people being escorted by law enforcement back to the back to the county administrative building, it's, it's not a good thing. Yeah, and, and, and those employees that survived in, in shock and trying to just kind of just take stock of themselves and stay together as a group. And mm-hmm. um, it's, uh, you know, I think the VTA family has always been very tight, but I think it just in times like these are going to need to need to lean on each other a little bit more. Definitely. So the latest reporting shows that he went into two separate buildings. Mm-hmm. So what are the details that we know? So th- that's really what we know at the moment of the recording of this podcast is that he went into two different buildings. And this was something that the county sheriff had confirmed early this morning. And, you know, it's what's interesting, if not scary, about that situation that he went into two different buildings is that early Wednesday morning, there had been bomb sniffing dogs that were brought onto the premises. And they ended up not finding any explosives, but for whatever reason, they they had been sent down there because they had caught, you know, what they thought was a whiff of an explosive device. So, I, again, we don't know what exactly he did in those two buildings, but again, uh, explosive sniffing dogs were brought onto the premises. And also on the scene was the, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, who are assisting the county sheriff in this investigation along with the FBI. Yeah, there's been lots of reporting on the fire at his house. So is there any Mm -hmm. details on that you can share? So like I mentioned earlier, the fire he had set off at his house was right before he went to the VTA yard to do the shooting. And from seeing the comments that his some of his neighbors have made, you know, they describe him as aggressive, standoffish. But, you know, obviously the house was set ablaze. And before we knew of the connection between that house and the VTA shooting, I remember early Wednesday morning when we were at the news conference in front of the county administrative building, people were still asking, did the fire have any connection with the VTA shooting? And at the time, law enforcement could not tell us whether there was a connection or not. You know, obviously a lot of a lot of news crews were putting two and two together. And ultimately, you know, he set his house ablaze and then within an hour went over to the VTA station. Yeah, it was just interesting, the whole setting your house ablaze before you left, but then it was some sort of a slow burn mechanism. Uh-huh. And it, it's just troubling how anybody could do any of this, but just the the... I don't think we'll ever fully know the the reasons and, and the ramifications of it all. Um, it's horrible. So the, any more reaction from the families? Have they spoken to the press? So I have seen a couple of loved ones and family members speaking with the press. But for the most part, you know, they obviously have not come out to put on a news conference or anything of that sort. But one of the people I did speak with on Wednesday was council member Raul Perales. And he was, at the time, he was still waiting on a loved one, a childhood friend who, you know, was supposed to get off from his shift at 8 a.m. And so here was council member Perales. And this was about, what, two o'clock? And his friend was supposed to get off on his shift early that morning. And so he was 
you know, another another one of those folks who were kind of pacing around outside the administrative building. And, you know, we caught him right after the, the news conference and asked him, you know, it's, what's the status on your friend? And he's, he said, you know, we're, we're still waiting, you know, we're still kind of in limbo. It was just sad to see how, you know, he was not the only person who was waiting in limbo. There was at least nine other families who were going through the same situation. And a lot of them had gathered in front of the county administrative building before being directed toward the American Red Cross facility where they also received uh, untold counseling services and other victims' assistance. So what, what's VTA and other leaders been saying about the tragedy? So I actually went to another another gathering that a lot of the VTA leaders held right outside of their headquarters. And one of the quotes you know, really highlighted the situation was from Evelyn Tran, and she's the outgoing general manager, outgoing CEO of VTA. And she said, essentially, you know, they train you for active shooter situations, but what they don't train you for is how to deal with the aftermath. And she was already tearing up before she got to the podium. It was a lot of people there were very emotional, county leaders, city leaders, longtime VTA workers. You know, that was where they showed all nine of the faces of the people and the workers we lost. And just to have all these leaders standing up at the podium giving giving their condolences, giving their words on their coworkers, and then having right beside them this display that had all the faces of those who were lost. It was it was an emotional situation for a lot of people, including some of the reporters. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we're all we're all human beings and mm-hmm. um just yeah, going through tragedy is is there's no way to train for that. Um well, again, Vicente, thank you uh, for joining me today. Of course, Bob. So we all need to come together as a community, continue the discussion and support each other's mental health and enact gun control legislation. There's a lot of anger and frustration, but we must turn that anger to hope and rise to the occasion to not let the senseless tragedy be a repeatable statistic. San Jose Spotlight and Silicon Valley Synergy is asking our listeners to donate to the fund put together supporting victims of the tragedy of VTA. Go to the Working Partnerships website at WPUSA.org. There's a link on the front page, and please donate what you can. Thank you to Working Partnerships USA and the South Bay Labor Council for your leadership on this. This has been The Podlight, a collaboration between Silicon Valley Synergy and San Jose Spotlight. I'm Bob Stedler. We'll see you next week.